Hello, everyone, and welcome to Alligator Preserves. I am your host, Laurel McCarg, and I have another special guest with me here today. Goes by the name of T.H. Leatherman. So stick around. Welcome to Alligator Preserves, a weekly podcast about revealing yourself through storytelling, story reading, and story writing, but probably not story arithmetic because that's not a thing. You just might surprise yourself with the secrets you'll uncover. T.H. Leatherman, welcome, yes. to Alligator, welcome to Alligator Preserves. How are you doing, Laura? I, I'm doing great, and I'm loving your background paint color. Thank you. Your decision or your wife's or your dog's? Uh, it was my son's decision, but uh, I, I kind of went with it. it. It was fun and, and it keeps things interesting. It's very bright. It's very bright. You would never fall asleep while you're writing all your funny jokes and things. Todd Leatherman. I know you as Todd. I always call you Todd. Todd Leatherman. T.H. Leatherman. Mm-hmm. Uh, should I just call you Horatio? <laughs> You can call me Todd. That's fine. <laughs> I have to know now. Is it Horatio? I hope it's Horatio. Oh, no, no. My middle name is is uh, is not something I actually let out very often. Uh, it's a family name. Then I won't even make you say it, but aren't names funny? They are. They're very funny. Did you hate your name, Todd, growing up? No, no. Uh, I always really liked my name. I'm, I'm adopted, believe it or not. And uh, so... Todd is not the name I was born with, but uh, it's the name my parents gave me, and I've always really enjoyed it. Uh, it's Old English for fox, and I don't know if you know, if you know this about me, but I have like foxes everywhere in my house. <laughs> I don't know that about you, but that's pretty fascinating. I had no idea Todd had a fox reference. That's that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I like it. Well, all right. I know you probably get asked this question all the time, but when did you first become aware of the fact that you were a mushroom? And... <laughs> I am a super fun guy. <laughs> yes, you are. Yes, you are. When uh, when did that become evident to you? You know, when I was younger, like in my 20s, uh, I, I realized that I kind of intimidated a lot of people because I'm tall. And, you know, whenever I'm, I'm not really thinking about anything, I kind of have the arresting bastard face going on. And uh, so it was one of those things, it's like, how do I tell people that I'm approachable and, and not really a mean guy? And the way I got around that was by telling jokes. And so I continue to tell jokes to this day. And I post jokes all the time. You do. And for my listeners out there, you have to follow th leatherman on facebook because he will post daily pretty much right almost every day almost every day almost every day there's a ridiculous picture an adorable picture of you with jasmine typically Mm -hmm. right your wonderful dog and and there's a pun and it just will start your day off with a laugh so uh definitely follow now was your family funny punny uh my father is is uh does tr- tell jokes i don't think he's as funny as i am <laughs> but uh but he kind of got me started along along that line uh he is a psychiatrist or was he was he's retired now uh and you know i i think he used jokes to break the ice in his uh in his 
patient conferences, and I just kind of took it to the next level. My father was a great deliverer of jokes, and I wish I had his ability. It he would he would slide them in, and you wouldn't really even know he was about to deliver the punchline until he did, and then ugh, eyes would roll. And they were always they were always appropriate to the situation. I I don't know where he got it from. Were you were you a class clown in school? Uh, it would depend on the class. I, I was actually very studious in school. Uh, I often sat on the front row and and did things. Believe it or not, the only class where I didn't pay a whole, whole lot of attention was English. And a couple of my English teachers were were uh, had decidedly low opinions of me. <laughs> wow. Why? Uh, I don't know. I probably didn't apply myself. I, I felt like I was... You know, when they would get into the details of why this character thought that or why the, the plot went in a certain way, I would kind of fall asleep and go, ah. Interesting. Uh, and uh, so I wasn't, I wasn't really applying myself to the, the pursuit of English when I was uh, in, in high school. And so when did you know that you could write and tell a tale other, other than the joke books, which we'll talk about in a minute. But when did you know that you were a good writer? You know, uh, I still don't know that I'm a good writer. <laughs> <laughs> Do any of us, really? <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, I get imposter syndrome bad. But, you know, that that's actually kind of an interesting interesting story. Way I got into sci-fi uh, and sci-fi and fantasy, gosh, I think in uh, late grade school, early high school. Uh, first series that started it off for me was uh, Edgar Rice Burroughs, A Princess of Mars. It's really campy, but, you know, it was it's kind of neat. And to my teenage brain, it was just like, wow, this, there's this whole world out there that I that I, I didn't know anything about. And then I, uh, I went in, got, you know, Terry Brooks and the Shannara series, really enjoyed that. Uh, and I just, you know, it started my love of reading. I would read you know, science fiction and fantasy books all the time when I wasn't studying or doing anything, you know, kind of fun. If I was waiting or anything, I'd grab a book. Really enjoyed it. And then in 1996, uh, my sister suddenly died. She oh. was in pain at the time. And it caused me to, she was my younger sister, and it caused me to kind of think about my life. It's like, oh my God, what am I? doing with with my life i'm working a bunch of i you know dead-end jobs you know i dropped out of college you know twice what am i really doing with my life and i said you know this is it this is the only life i get and if i'm going to be doing this i'm going to do the kind of things that that matter that i would consider fun that i think really get me someplace and get me where i want to go in my life and so i started writing my first book uh, because I was like, you know, I, I read books all the time. How hard would it be to write one? It's really hard, <laughs> but it was a lot of fun at the same time. So uh, that was one of the things I decided at that time was to kind of take the dozen or so hobbies that I had and condense it down to like four or five things that I really wanted to do. And uh, one of those things was to stop working these dead-end jobs, finish college, get a, get a career, and, which I did. Congratulations. That's an unusual story for how you got where where you are. And wow. 
Well, let's talk about this one first. A okay. thousand and one puns, dad jokes, and one-liners mm-hmm. with the subtitle, a joke becomes a bad joke when it reaches full grown. The, uh, these are wonderful. First of all, how did you compile this book? Um, I had already been posting jokes for friends and, and so forth for years, probably like three or four years. And uh, I wrote, I've been writing the, the Burning Sun series and getting it out there. And I was like, you know, I do this and I do it kind of, you know, for me, but also to get attention for my work. And I'm not really known as a comedic writer so much. I should probably do something about that. So I started taking all the jokes I had written and compiled them into a book and made a book of a book of jokes. Now, are these all original? Mm, some of them are original. Some of them are are retreads. Some some jokes where I've seen, you know, that was okay. I can do better. <laughs> and a few of them are are you know just like they were were the originals when I found it. It's like that's I can't really improve on that. I'm just going to print that joke. Well, you've got your under your contents. Mm-hmm. Or malcontents. After all, it's a book of bad jokes. Contents. You've got animal and insect puns, job and sports puns, science and math puns, grammar and writing puns. My favorite, obviously. Puns about money, about outer space, about fiction, science fiction, fantasy, pirate puns, food puns, and miscellaneous ones. Now, just to give you an idea, the writing and grammar puns and all of your chapters you know, start with a picture of you and your beautiful dog, Jasmine. I got a job at a prison library. It has its pros and cons. I mean, yeah, they're groaners, but they're also really good. You know, I'm friends with 25 letters. I don't get why. Oh, (laughs) you know, there's just so many good ones in here. Do you, do you, do you have some favorites? I do have a few favorites. Uh, one that's actually close to my heart that I really enjoy because of where we live. Mountains aren't just funny. They're hill areas. Hill areas. Oh, that's good. And you come to us from Firestone, Colorado, yes? Firestone, Colorado, yeah. Where, where is that in relation to Denver, up or down or right or left? It is across the highway from Longmont. Okay. All right. How long have you lived there? I've lived here for five years. Do you love it? Are you never going to leave? Love it. It's a tiny little community. It's, you know, it's got a bunch of uh, friendly people here. I've made a lot of great people. I love my house. My house is fantastic. But every once in a while, I, I, I need to get up to the mountains. And thankfully, I'm like half an hour away. I can get up into the mountains. And uh, just last year, I, I bought a house in the mountains. Uh, so now I get to go. I have a house up near Woodland Park that I go to on, on occasion, usually once or twice a month. The mountains are gorgeous. And today, you know, I'm I'm looking out and some right now and they're snow topped and they're lovely. I'm in Salida, so I'm mm-hmm. a few hours south of you. And, uh, and the ground is pretty much not snowy. This has been an unusual winter for sure, I think. Um, windy, windy, not snowy here in Salida. I've got, I've really? got red cheeks right now because I've, I've been walking in the wind and it's just very, very blowy, but not so snowy. Huh. So I met you, Todd T.H., Horatio Leatherman uh, at, I think the first one was at um, maybe Denver Pop Culture Con. 
I think, Ooh, or yeah, uh, that was. So that was four years ago, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. And I've seen you since and and I all over the place. All yeah. over the place where we have so much fun. And so your series, the Burning Sun series, I would like to talk about next. All right. So I I read this first book in your series, and what a rollick. <laughs> right? I mean, this yes. is you you have taken your humor. And you've used it in here with some of your characters. Mm -hmm. And you're also, well, I have to ask you, how many times have you watched Guardians of the Galaxy? Uh, actually, I've only seen it a couple of times. A couple of times? Uh, yeah, because I, that, did, I did really much enjoy it. It's really, it's, a, it's one of our go-to movies. I really enjoy it. And your book has that same feel of a yeah. space opera romp. With mm -hmm. your muscat character, who just I just couldn't help, you know, thinking of of uh, Rocky with the raccoon in, in that series, and your main character too. You know, you you use humor with your characters, and it's subtle oh, yeah. and it's fun. So, what inspired this series? And right now, so you've got you have four out right now, right? You've got the Burning Sun, uh, mm -hmm. Mark of the Sun, uh, the su Sunrise, and now. Twin Suns uh, was just released. Twin Suns was out, right? Okay. And uh, there's also a a freebie, Fox Prints, that if people will join my mailing list, they can get the the backstory for Racy for free. And uh, I also posted. I also have a omnibus edition of the first three books that's available, which is the Sunset. The Sunset, very nice. How many? <laughs> how many more will there be? You know, uh, originally when I envisioned this 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 uh, series, uh, I wanted to do seven. Wanted to tell the story in seven books. Since then, uh, talking with other authors, they're like, you know, you should really do it in sets of five. You do it at five or ten, and so I'm I'm probably going to extend it out, and it will be ten books by the time it's done. Well, that's not disappointing. No. It, did they give you a rationale for why five or ten versus the lucky seven? Uh, it's, it has to do with uh, the way readers read uh, as far as how when they get into a series, if they like it, how long will they follow the series along before you get diminishing returns on on books towards the end of the series. Uh, and five books, you can get a, a lot of really a lot of people really engaged that are were willing to go through the series until you reach in reach book five. And then they're, then, you know, they feel really good and they got to the end of the series and, you know, but if you go out to 10, you know, you start to getting diminishing returns. You get six, seven and eight as people start dropping off and not finishing the series. And then by nine and 10, they may or may not finish up the whole series, depending on how much they follow or how much they like the character or fall in love with the characters. I would still stick with seven then. I, I read the whole the Bernard Cornwell series, the the Last Kingdom series, the, mm -hmm. um, Saxon Chronicles, and 12, 12 books. And then there were two more. And by the 10th book, it was kind of like I got the joke. You know, I, mm -hmm. I, I had to struggle through the last two, and then there was no way I was going to read the 11th or 12th. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of lifetime to write and to yes. uh, lifetimes that you're creating for your characters, too. Mm-hmm. So you've I've, got. Uh, I I know how each series, each book in the series is going to go. I know Mark's growth points in those books as well as the other characters. 
what needs to happen for the end result, what happens at the end of the series. And you have on your webpage, and again, I'm going to have links and photos to what we talked about today, but on your page, uh, your webpage, you describe the different civilizations, oh, right? You've got the, yeah. the, the Terrans, which are kind of like us, right? People, kind people of, from... Uh, a little bit more corrupt. So, you, so a little bit more in the way of humans are for world politics than they are for, you know, just what we see here in the States. Mm-hmm. You've got the, is it Arethazons? Arethazons? The Arethazons, yeah. Arethazons. And mm-hmm. they have a theocracy. They yes. reminded me of um, the, the idea of having a manifest destiny kind of mm-hmm. um, idea for how they wanted to take over everything, right? Um, oh, yeah. And th- you you made them not too tech smart. No, uh, which fits with theological cultures. Historically, they are not very creative. So uh, that's one of their flaws is that they're very good at stealing technology from others, but they're not so good at creating original original stuff themselves. Okay. And then you have the muscats, which are foxy, yes. techy. I love them. They have a queen. And mm-hmm. and how did you come up with the idea that they they give off a cinnamon smell? Oh, uh, you Where'd know, it's just one- yeah, it was just one of those things that's sort of like I wanted these characters to be to be friendly, to be one of the ones that provides comic relief through the story. Uh, so they have no no concept of personal space uh, and they're kind of fuzzy and they're short and they, you know, have all they do all these things that the, the humans in the book are like, wait, what? <laughs> Uh, but they're they're cute, fuzzy, cuddly, and it's like, what is a really calming scent that you know that they could that would be realistic for them to give off if you get really close to them? And I thought, you know, cinnamon. I like cinnamon. Let's go with that. I like cinnamon too, and I just thought that that was such a quirky, fun little little detail that you added there. That was great. And then you have the Drew, yes, the aquatic telepaths or mind readers, yes. They're an aquatic race, and uh, because they're aquatic, it's really hard for them to spread out. But they do have four planets. They have four systems. And so, again, I'm going to go back to, was it, did you want to do something completely different with your worlds? What what inspired you most, do you think? Like, I mean, this is the first book in your series. How, right. how did you decide what was going to happen in this? And I also learned from a previous interview, I think you were interviewing Wendy Terrian, and you told her that you were a plotter versus a pantser. So talk a little bit about how you started this. And when you started this, did you have a huge series in mind? Um, I thought at first I just wanted to write a book. And, and but, you know, I'm, I wanted the characters to have incredible depth. And I wanted the cultures to have incredible depth. And I wanted to create little things about each culture that would prevent them from working with each other. Things that uh, a smart adversary could exploit. <laughs> so I, I put all these, these things in there and, and put it all together in such a way that they, they would, it would generate that conflict that I wanted for the story. Originally, I wanted a, a Star Trek kind of universe, but not from the, the you know, benevolent military uh, kind of thing. I wanted you know, I wanted a, a freighter, you know, where the people that worked on the freighter were on the right side of the law sometimes and not quite so much the other time. Uh, and then Firefly came out, came out. And I was like, well, darn. 
<laughs> if I put it out, if I put this book out now, it's just going to sound, it's just going to sound like uh, a retread of this. So I, uh, I shelved it for a while, worked on other projects and then came back to it and kind of reworked it in such a way that it didn't look like too much like anything that was currently out. And then as I started writing, it's like, I really like this. I'd like to continue the story. What would that look like? And so I tagged it along for seven books and said, this is what I want to happen in each book. Your, your character, Pythia, where'd she come from? Ha, ha, ha. You know? Or do you not want to talk about No, I will absolutely talk about that. It's a science fiction book. I wanted all sorts of science in there. But then I was like, it's too much science. I want a little bit of mysticism in there. You know, kind of like with Star Wars, they have a little bit of mysticism in there, but I don't want this whole warrior monk class or anything going on. Uh, I'm going to put in uh, someone who sees the future. So I added in Pythia and uh, put her into to the story. She Mark encounters her pretty early in the series, and she is just this this blind mystic that has you know someone that watches out for her, but even though she lives on this this really nasty kind of pirate base in the middle of it of nowhere and initially that she wasn't in the original story and then i added her in and and kind of put her into the story and kind of kind of shoehorned her into the place and thought that's neat i want and and it's really neat character i like how she interacts with the other characters and we'll see what people think of it oh my god oh my goodness oh my goodness as far as the characters that people really attach themselves to Pithy is it. And, and I kill off characters. You know, it's, it's a war zone. People are going to die. Characters are going to die. You can't, and I don't make it predictable about which ones are going to die. I get more emails and mails from, from readers going, you absolutely cannot kill off Pythia. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, <laughs> note to self. Don't pull off the, the cute blind girl. <laughs> and you made her young. Yes. She's she's about 12 years old. In, uh, actually, more like 9, nine 10, 11 and through most of the book. She's very young. Yeah. And that decision? Was that an easy um, decision? You know, that moment came pretty easy because I wanted her to be to have some vulnerabilities in place. Yeah, she's she's smart. She sees the future. But... She can't do things on her own. She needs help. And uh, and so that was that was the decision why I made her young and I made her blind so that, you know, she would need that kind of help. She would have to rely on people around her. And she also, one of the things about Pithy is that she can see what ha- happens to other people's not so good with things that happen are happening to her. So mm-hmm. it's kind of a blind spot for, for her powers that's mm-hmm. to see the into the future. Fabulous character. So you're a plotter. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is your what's a typical writing routine for you? So I start with the base premise of the book. What needs to happen in that book as far as major plot points? And there are like three or four of them. Then I, I go through and I create a hundred plot points. So it's a really long outline of things that are going to happen in the book. Uh, complications that are going to arise, characters, how they're going to come together, how they're going to conflict with each other, where that's the con- those conflicts are going to take place, um, and so forth. And I put it all out there. And of course, usually you end up with like three or four plot points that go into a chapter. 
And then I started writing. And then sometimes the characters do things that you, things that you don't expect. And I'm like, well, let's see where this goes. <laughs> and so I, I, I follow it along. And sometimes, of course, you know, the, the plot kind of moves along and, and drifts in different directions as, as I write. But, uh, you know, I, while I don't stick to the plot, I'm, I'm not religious about this has to happen. Uh, I am like, well, let's see where it happens and kind of fit these wonderful things, the better ideas in there. And maybe some of the other ideas that aren't so great, I'll just toss out as I write the book. Do you use Scrivener or note cards or pen and paper or uh, what? How, how do you physically plot out all those plot points? I It depends. Uh, I do use Scrivener, uh, but I also plot things out in Word as well. Depends on how structured I feel like being when I write the book. Some books I, I go into Scrivener and I use all the nice fancy tools that are in Scrivener. Other times I just use Word and then drop things into files and so forth. So I'm not a purist in one way or the other. Okay. How has or has this going into the third year of a pandemic influenced or affected your your writing or your routine? You know, uh, when the pandemic started, I actually got really productive with my writing. I was able to, to really concentrate on it because there are all these you know, events going on out in the, in the real world. And I was like, well, I don't kind of like all this stuff that's going on in the real world. I'll just escape into my own world and, and create conflicts there uh, that, that I know that I can resolve in nice little night, tiny bows. But as the uh, pandemic wore on, I was like, I'm finding it harder and harder to, to make ends meet. I really need to be doing something else. So I ended up doing stockbroking again. I, I retired from being a stockbroker six years ago. And then I came back to it and uh, about a year ago. And unfortunately, being a stockbroker, working for uh, a, a brokerage firm, I end up having to, having less time than, I, than I'd like to write. So it's slowed down my writing speed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see what creative things come out of this. Mm-hmm. I don't know, a few years down the road, if we're still dealing with it. You offer a book review service. I do. Talk about that. Sure. Uh, so one of the things that that I want to do for other writers and, and kind of it, it's twofold. It's one, I like helping newer writers get their get their toes wet and, and get it out in there. So I will offer a review service. People can email me and uh, I look at them over as they take a look at the, the idea behind the book. And it's like, sure, that sounds kind of fun. Uh, let's go ahead and read it and see if they're if if the description is as good as the book is. And so I write it up, and then of course I I post a review about it. I also charge for reviews sometimes. Basically, I offer people to the ability to jump the line. Uh, if you pay me a, a small fee, then I usually have like ten books that I'm reviewing at any given time, and I just read through it. I have the short sleep gene, so I don't need as many hours of sleep as most people. So I end up spending a lot of nights reading. Lucky. Uh, so made, yeah. So I end up uh, chewing through books pretty quickly. And your uh, fee is your fee is very, very small based on <laughs> what I saw on your on your page. And again, I'll have a link to it. But uh, yeah, so since I only need five or six hours of sleep a night, I end up, you know, sitting in bed and reading through books and stuff. So, you know, it turns out that, you know, I can read through books and then review them pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. For your own books, where have you found the best market? 
Where do you do the best with sales? Uh, as far as uh, generating the most sales, I would say that social media has been the biggest thing that I've been able to take advantage of and get my books out there. There are all sorts of ways that you can you can advertise yourself and, and put yourself in front of readers. Um, I am really good in person. I love in-person events, which pandemic makes it a lot more difficult to do that. But uh, as getting in front of people in social media is, is easier. Uh, and I, you have to know, of course, what your target demographic is. For the Burning Sun series, uh, it, is, it is primarily an older male population. Hmm. So while that's not always the case, it's frequently the case. And so I, I market, you know, I, when I do social media advertising, I focus in on those groups. It took me a while to kind of focus, you know, find out what imagery and what language most appealed to that group. But when I got it down, I was able to then make sure that my advertising dollars, when they're spent, you know, I'm getting a decent return on them. Mm-hmm. Well, I know you do really well at the in-person events and mm-hmm. at the con. Uh, you were across from me at the latest uh, Fan at Expo last, Endeavor. Uh, yeah. Thing, yeah, you're you're an awesome thrower, by the way, too. I mean, and <laughs> all those candies that came across all the people into my hands while we were waiting for more people to come through. Um, and I'm wondering, I'm wondering, you talked about intimidating people earlier. How often do you dress in your full warrior attire as you do in the cons? <laughs> Perhaps that has uh, something to do with intimidation. <laughs> yeah, actually, it, it depends. It's one of those things. Normally, I, you know, I just dress up in in casual clothes, and then uh, I just you know come out and talk to people and just say, "Hey, how are you doing today?" By the way, I write science fiction. Do you like science fiction? <laughs> I, I'm not shy when it comes to talking to people. So I can just reach out and grab people, just do things to grab their attention and then pull them in. But, uh, you know, as far as dressing up, that's whenever the I feel like it, it's appropriate. If I see other authors doing something similar, then I'm like, okay, yeah, I can, I, I feel comfortable doing this. But, you know, if they're, if I'm like alone, you know, dressed up in either wizardry attire or or sword and sorcery attire or futuristic soldier attire then and there's no one else with me and i'm like (laughs) awkward (laughs) yeah it's like okay well you you uh, you dress up really well the costumes are great they're absolutely great and they're wonderful and pop culture con is a great place to do that because everyone dresses up everyone dresses up even me sometimes and yeah they're fun I, by the way, are you going to the Fan Expo in July? Yes. You are. I am. All right. That's July 1st, 2nd, 3rd, I believe, at the Denver uh, Convention look, Center. But I, 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 I notified them that I wanted a table. So. All right. I think it's right before 4th of July weekend. So I'll have a link to Fan Expo Denver as well. That's supposed to be, I think, a full one. And, you know. Let's let's hope that it can be. Um, yeah, let's hope uh, we're in a better situation with the pandemic. So yeah, yeah. Be more, All right. More so tell me about Jasmine, your Pomsky, your Pomeranian Husky, and Willow is new. Tell me about Willow your dogs. So I got I got my uh, wife a birthday present, birthday slash Christmas present uh, a few years back. Uh, she'd been talking about getting a Pomsky for like three years, and I was like. I finally had enough uh, money saved up. I was like, all right, let's, let's, all right, I'm going, this is the year I'm going to get you a Pomsky. 
And so we looked at breeders that were nearby, something, someplace where we could travel within, you know, a day to get there. And uh, there was this one breeder that had a litter coming due and uh, there were like five puppies, five, uh, four boys and a girl. And she named them after Aladdin characters. And so we, we reserved one of the dogs. And at first she wasn't, she was thinking about keeping the dog for breeding purposes. And we managed to convince her that no, no, she was the right dog for us. Uh, and she has just been absolutely fantastic. She's Um, gorgeous. Yeah. She's really sweet and, and, you know, really smart and, and just, you know, is such a cuddle bug and is just fan, you know, is just been a joy to have from, from beginning to end. Then a year ago, uh, a grad student nearby, uh, we belonged to a couple of Pomsky groups and said, Hey, I've got this dog and I've come to the, the, I've come to the unlike, you know, bad for me decision that I can't take care of it. Does anyone mm-hmm. want, want a Pomsky? Mm-hmm. And we were like, do we want to rescue a Pomsky? And we were in my wife. I was like, not sure we want another dog because, you know, Jasmine is so wonderful. I mean, what, what, what are, what are the chances we'll get another Jasmine? And, uh, but my wife finally talked me into it and then we ended up with Willow. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Best friends. Uh, she is, well, it's one of those things where she's got a lot of energy. She is still a puppy. We got her at, at like six months old. And so she was destructive and, and, and uh, getting into things. and A puppy. And yeah, just a puppy. And, you know, thankfully we're working from home. So it was one of those things where we were able to, to you know, take the, take the, the puppiness and direct it into, into good things. And, and after about a month, I told Stephanie, it's like, my wife, it's like, Hey, she's, she's really a handful now, but I see the makings of a really good dog. Eventually when she calms down, once she grows out of that puppy stage and boy, was I right. Aww. Uh, she is, she's calmed down a lot and she's, she's gotten to the point where she's, you know, sweet and doesn't want to play all the time. Um, but you need to take breaks from your writing and your work mm-hmm. and, Dogs are a great reason to do that. Oh yeah, and uh, and so they get all sorts of walks all the time, and they love nice. it. Nice, nice. Do you have any shout outs you want to give, other than to obviously to your to your your wife who puts up with your puns? Yes, <laughs> early in the morning she's like, I, I hand her a cup of coffee and it's like, so these are the jokes I'm posting today. <laughs> like, hold on. Get a couple me... of sips first. <laughs> no, uh, uh, obviously my wife and sons are are great supports. Uh, they they support me, you know, me and my writing career fantastically. Love it. Rocky Mountain Fiction Writers, who uh, I'm there, the communications person there. So uh, love them. Uh, they got me started from you know I've written a book and I think and I think it's pretty good to you know. Hey, I can write and actually know what I'm doing and and put something out there that people are willing to read. Uh, they got me from point A to point B, and uh, I, I'm absolutely tremendously thankful for for Rocky Mountain Fiction Writers. Definitely, really appreciate all the people that work over there. They are absolutely the greatest uh, group of writers that I've ever run across. Awesome. 
And where can people find you and your work? They can find me uh, at uh, thleatherman.com. That is my webpage. And uh, that'll have all the links to my social media. So TH Leatherman uh, on uh, Facebook, uh, TH Leatherman on Twitter, uh, TH.Leatherman on Instagram. And I just started up a pun group in, uh, in Facebook. So now I have one place where people can go for puns and post puns and I just moderate it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. Well, I will have I will have links and photos to everything we talked about today. You'll send me some links and you'll send me some photos of you and your adorable dogs. TH, not Horatio, uh, Leatherman, author of a very punny book and a great rollicking romp series, uh, Burning Sun series. Thank you for visiting with me today on Alligator Preserves. And uh, will you send us off with something punny? I will absolutely uh, give you a couple of puns to go away with. To be frank, I'd have to change my name. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And walking on high heels keeps my wife on her toes. Oh, I bet she loves that one. (laughs) (laughs) I think there was another one about your wife in here. Something about your wife. Oh, my wife got me a get better card. I'm not sick. She just thinks I can do better. (laughs) (laughs) On that note, T.H. Leatherman, thank you for your time. Stay well, stay safe, and I hope to see you in person again soon. Me too. Yay. Take care. Bye. Alligator Preserves is hosted and produced by Laurel McCard with technical support provided by her husband, Mike McCard. Follow her on her website at leadvillelaurel.com, where she writes about life, real, and imagined. If you enjoyed this podcast, you might enjoy her books. Find her work at amazon.com. <laughs> <laughs>